You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Jesus, I have uh, a couple couple announcements, and then I uh, want to fill you in on the Pakistan trip details and going to flow into what I felt like uh, Jesus wanted to do today and some things that I saw him doing in worship, I believe, that, that tie in. And then um, hopefully the plan is to talk to you about what it looks like to intercede through our identity in Christ. Um, and so the announcements are... Um, so Joe and Aureli Wilson, some of y'all know them, right? And um, we, uh, so they stepped out of leadership some time ago, and um, then Lindsay and I had a conversation with them. We blessed them in that conversation, prayed for them, and um, left it up to them whether they would, would actually have us bless them publicly like you saw us do Owen and Nikki, and um, just the, the way that we like to do it, and they, uh, their preference was to not do that um, just for, just because it's really emotional, um, if you haven't been through it before, and, and they felt like the blessing that Lindsay and I gave them was them leaving with the, with the blessing, and so they are, uh, after six, over six years trying to find a church that's closer to home, and um, just some things adjusted in their lives. And so I'm, I'm saying all this, announcing this publicly, so that you don't draw your own conclusions. Um, just remember, when you, when you start a statement with, they probably, you're getting ready to make a mistake. <laughs> they probably, this is what I think. So just so you know, that I just talked to Joe multiple times this week, like we're all still friends. There was no bad reason why they left. It was just time to, to transition out. They stayed with us as long as anybody has ever stayed with us outside of just a few people, uh, you know, and so um, it was, we knew one day that time would come with them guys, we thought it might look a little bit different, but it was just, it was just time, and so that's one of the hardest things to see in the spirit is timing. Um, I know you saw David Wagner, um, the, the prophetic conference we're going to do with him, you, you guys don't want to miss that, especially if you've never heard David, or if you have heard him, uh, you don't want to miss it, but he'll tell you after over 20 years of operating the prophetic and um, he said, timing in the Spirit is the hardest thing to see. Like we oftentimes think we know, but we, we oftentimes, I've watched so many people, and me myself many times, miss timing of words, even though the words were, were correct. And so, you know, Joe Norelli not being here just because, my gosh, we've had so many amazing moments with him, guys. They've been dear friends um, for years now. And so we, we will miss them. Uh, they are doing great. Like there's, again, let me emphasize, there's nothing wrong. You know, it's not, remember, just, just because we, some of us have experienced things in church, uh, oftentimes we will go back to our experience when something happens that looks similar. We're like, oh, it must have been bad. No, it's, that's not true. That's not true. It doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to be bad. It's just that sometimes the Lord plants us in a place for a, uh, for a season, and, and we don't get to decide how long that, that season is. And me, as a leader, this is what I've been prompted to do by the Lord, and many other people have reminded me through prophetic words. He said, you just hold, hold people with open hands, all right? Because we're in the people building business, not in the people keeping business. And we get to build people for sometimes months, sometimes years. 
right? Or sometimes a moment, whatever it looks like. We're just glad to be a part of people's lives. So Joan Aurelia will continue to be a part of our lives for, I think, for the rest of, our, of, of all of our lives. So I wanted to let you know. And on the flip side of that, um, who knows that Aaron and Alex had their baby? All right. Emma, Emma Rose, did I make that up? That sounds like it goes together, so that's why I said it. Uh, Emma Rose, they just had her. She was like 8 pounds and tw- 12 ounces. Big baby girl. So they're at home resting and uh, doing well. Um, probably sneaking in naps every opportunity they get now that they have three children under the age of six. Is that right? Or six and under? Whew, God. <laughs> All parents just started interceding for them right as soon as I said that. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help them. <laughs> you all know, but what, what a gift. And so let me, um, let me fill you in quickly. I don't want to take too much time about this, but we're going back. Matt General and I are going back to Pakistan uh, February 28th through March 8th. February 28th, we will leave. We will land. A couple days later, we will be there till the 8th of March. We'll fly back, and we will be doing uh, two pastor's trainings, one in Karachi, one in Mirprakas, about five hours outside of Karachi, in a, in a part of the country that uh, foreigners don't get to go without permission. And so it's going to be, it's going to be a, a great time. Um, we're also doing uh, a smaller crusade-type uh, meeting in one particular area of the city that they've requested that we do it because there's so much darkness and so much uh, prostitution and forced prostitution, not, not willing, um, but forced, and then a lot, of, a lot of drugs and violence. And so we get to go into an area like that, and they're like, come on, you know, please come here and um, do some sort of, of meeting. We don't care what it looks like. And um, so we'll do a couple of, of those and, um, and plant another clean water hand pump because that's something that we've made up our minds to do is to get uh, a hand pump uh, with legitimate clean water in an area of, of Pakistan, in the remote area of Pakistan, every time we go because clean water changes people's lives. It's relatively, it's relatively easy. It's $1,500 to plant a clean water hand pump in an area as long as it's not deeper than 50 feet that they need to dig, which most of the time it's not. Um, price goes up the, every 50 feet or so that you, you dig. So we're going to do that. And so if you guys would pray for us, this part of what I'm talking about today goes into to this right here um, because I don't, I don't feel like that I've, I've done a great job um, of preparing uh, people for what it looks like to intercede and pray, um, just on a daily, not just for Pakistan, right? Because when we go on these trips, when I go on these trips and Matt General goes with me, like we're going as a family. Like there's no distance in the spirit realm. Like you're literally, you're, you're a part of, you're literally a part of this. You're a part, if you made up your mind to be a part of this family, you're a part of this. And so it's as if you're, you're going to. And so there's senders and those that are sent. And we get to, we get to go and, and you get to send. And so praying is a real, real important part of that, not just during, um, but before, during, and after we, we get home. Um, because the impact that's being made in the Middle East is, is bigger than, than what meets the eye. Like there's so much that's happening over there. And so this is something, that's why we're called Revive the World. <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the name, right? And so... Um, 
if you, if you feel led to sow financially into the trip, you can go to our website at revivetheworld.org and you can, you can click on the Pakistan button. It has the Pakistan button. It takes you to our Pakistan page within our website, which takes you to the giving platform. Or if you want to give cash or check, you can put it in the black box back there. Um, and you'll need to write Pakistan on it so that we know that it directly is, is um, just for that. And we set all that stuff aside. And that money that's for Pakistan, uh, we, we don't do anything else with that but, but for Pakistan. If there's money left over, we leave it until our next trip because we'll be going back again this year. I've got some more exciting details about trips coming up this year. I'll, I'll tell you later. So if you would, just pray into that, but be praying for us even starting now you know, on what God's going to do, because it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. So thank you for your prayers. Thanks for consideration and sowing into it financially. It's, uh, it's part of what we feel called and assigned to do. You know, it's, uh, I, I heard my, one of my nephews told his dad, I think it was last year sometime, he said, uh, dad, stay in your lane when he was trying to get, you know, get in his business. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know how funny he thought it was in the moment. But, but, but my little brother laughed about it later, and uh, I thought, that's, that's a good word, right? You just stay in the lane that, that God called you to. Because it's, it's not about impressing people or how much you do or, you know, how many followers you have. or It's, it's, not, a, it's not how many likes you Like, it's not about that. Like, it's, it's about just being obedient to the Lord. The Lord reminded me this morning, um, I ask very little of you. I just ask that you be obedient. And that you give me your yes. That's it. I ask that you be obedient. I remember standing on the beach with him in 2013 when we were getting ready to start Revive the World. And, and I walked out there that morning to, uh, in Florida. And, um, and I walked out there to a, a rainbow in the sky at sunrise. And um, I just felt like it was one of those covenant moments. And I stood there on that beach and listened to what the Lord had to say to me. And um, he, he ratted off things that he would do. And his, his side of the, the equation was rather lengthy. And then he said, this is all I need you to do. I just need you to be obedient. And he did tell me, I, I, want, you, I want you to, he said this specifically, which falls in, in the category of obedience. But he said, I, I need you to fast when I ask you to as well. <laughs> I find it interesting that he, he mentioned that separately because fast is usually the F word for Christians, right? You know it's real. <laughs> Nobody really enjoys it until, until you're in it, you know? <laughs> Usually, I, I, don't, I'm, I'm, uh, I go kicking and screaming into it occasionally, and then I get in the first day, and I'm like, I don't know why I don't fast every day of my life. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I drop weight like it's my job, though, when I fast, and so it's... Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't fast. I couldn't fast all the time. I'd just be a shirt and a head. So, <laughs> some of you want to punch me right now, but I'm sorry. I'm glad you can't. <laughs> Let, let's let's pray. So after all these announcements, just get back in the flow of what I felt like Jesus wanted to do. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you did in worship. We thank you that you have reminded us that that you are Lord over all, that you're Lord over our hearts, that you're Lord over everything, you're the King of the universe, you're our God, our Father, our friend, our provider, our healer, our redeemer, our deliverer, 
You're everything that we need you to be in way, way more. And so we thank you for coming into this moment and just settling down in this room, just sitting down with us today at this table that I believe that you have prepared before us to feast on the revelation that you have for us specifically to help us to go deeper into our identity as sons and daughters. I thank you for the wake-up call today. It felt like I could hear the alarm of heaven going off. And I felt like the Father was saying, it's time to wake up to who you are. It's time to really wake up. And I felt like I could see people even being lifted above this fog and this funk so that they could, and when it happened, there was like this clarity and this aha moment. It was like, oh my gosh, this is who I really am. And so Father, we thank you for bringing clarity today as you wake us up to everything that you created us to be in Jesus' name. Yeah, I saw this uh, picture of Jesus washing the shame off of us, washing the shame of our past off of us because it was separating us from being able to approach God as, as a father. There's a difference between approaching God as a father and as a friend versus approaching him uh, afraid and have that shame thing on us. Sarah's been talking about that on Wednesday nights, and so I didn't think it was coincidental that Jesus was showing me that in worship. But when we have, you know, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, towards the end of the chapter, it tells us, it talks about Jesus as our great high priest and that he can sympathize with our weakness. He's relatable, like he's been through stuff. He's been rejected. He's been hurt. He's been damaged. He knows what it is to be abandoned. He knows what it is to people to, to lie about him, right? He, know, he knows. He's familiar. And then in verse 16, it, it tells us to approach the throne of grace boldly. But do you know that so that we can receive grace, right, in a time, what's it say there? So that we can receive throne of grace, so we may obtain mercy and find grace in a time of need. When do we need? When do we need mercy and grace? Every moment of every day. <laughs> and I don't think that this is—it's uh, an invitation into this place of intimacy with the Father that says we were created to actually be close to him. But shame tells me that I can only approach him in being afraid of him because he's looking at the thing that I've done as if it is my identity. Not remembering that the moment that I accepted Jesus and repented of sin, he not only forgave it, but he forgot it. Right? And each one of us have messed up since then. Like some of us have got secret sins, some of us have things that we've confessed, we've had things that nobody knows about, but I believe that everybody in the room, it's not a willful thing, it's actually a thing that you feel bad about, and it's not the feeling bad that the Father looks for. Like he's not like, I know that godly sorrow produces repentance, right? But repentance is a transformation of my thinking more than it is anything. It is a turning away. But if I can turn away and not change the way that I think, and I'll never change my mind about who I am. Because my, my behavior follows my beliefs, not my, my beliefs follow my behavior, right? My behavior tells me what I believe. 
Because my behavior comes from my beliefs. It comes from what I am believing in a moment about myself and about the Father. I'm telling you that these are the very most important revelations that we could ever get. These two revelations of who God is as a good father and who I am as his child. That's it. Like everything flows out of that place. But the only way that I can approach the throne of grace boldly in the way that he wants me to is if I know who I am. Because the only other way I'm going to come in boldly is through arrogance. As if he owes me something. But sons and daughters that know who they are come to the throne of grace boldly in humility. Because true humility is me actually knowing who I am. And I realize that without Jesus I'd have nothing. And my dependency come, begins to be on him all of the time. And so th when I come into the throne room, it's not me just crawling in there through this place of shame. It's actually, actually me coming to my father and realizing that he desires the closeness and the intimacy with him all of the time. And it's not something that he just wants occasionally. He wants me to actually live in that place. <sighs> and so... I believe that there's misconceptions about what it looks like for us to uh, intercede in prayer. I'll ask you this question. Uh, it's rhetorical. I just want you to, to have it in the forefront of your mind. What does your, what does your prayer life look like? What, what, does your, what does your prayer life look like? Because my prayer life is not something that I do at set times, my prayer life is my relationship with him that I live in intimacy every moment of every day. <sighs> right? But there's been misconceptions about what intercession looks like because most of us that have been in the church for very long at all, we'll think intercessory <laughs> prayer people are usually, customarily, customarily, the older women that are in the church. Right? Gray-haired, older ladies, right? And they, and they hold it down, which has been true. Unfortunately, it's been true. And then we look at intercessors and we're like, okay, those are intercessors. They've got the gift of intercession on their life, and that's what they're supposed to be doing. We'll let them pray through everything, right? We'll let our prayer life look like whatever we have time for. But... Jesus is in Romans chapter 8, verse 34. It says, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, right? And Jesus, the intercessor, lives inside of you. So intercession is not just a gift. It's actually part of who we are. But if I don't know who I am in Christ as a child of God, my intercession will look like me begging from God, instead of actually ask, thanking, asking, and declaring. I'll, I'll break that down in a minute. So when, when I don't know who I am, I actually begin, and you can listen to people, they'll, they'll begin to beg God for things. They'll begin to beg God for healing, begin to beg God for deliverance, begin to beg God for, for cities and for nations. As if it wasn't his idea before he woke me up to it, right? And it's just a misunderstanding of who the Father is. Because orphans that are not a part of the family will come 
to God and beg for scraps from the table. Not realizing that they have a seat at the table with the placemat and a plate and the silverware and food is already there. And it's a place that the Father actually made for us before time began, as he laid, he laid out this spread before, just in anticipation of sons and daughters coming to the table with him. Let, let, me, give you some, let me give you some scripture um, here in just a second. So, intercession, the, it means the action of saying a prayer on behalf of another person. You ever prayed for somebody else? <laughs> Please nod your head. <laughs> Just let me know you're still breathing. <clears throat> so if you have ever prayed for somebody else, you have stood in the gap for them, and you have interceded for them, right? And so that's intercession prayer, is when I actually petition God on behalf of someone else, a situation, a neighborhood, a city, a region, a nation, whatever it is. It's when I actually do what Jesus Jesus is the representation of what it looks like because he's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf, and then we, as one with Christ, which I'll show you in a minute in the Bible, we actually get to step into part of our new nature, which is to stand in the gap, which is part of the mercy of God. And what I'm doing is I'm just aligning myself with the one who's already interceding. And I'm not trying to think of all the best words or, the, or my greatest revelation or articulate my, my theology in it. Like I could tell somebody's theology when you sit in the, if, if you sit in prayer with somebody for very long, you will find out customarily what they believe because you pray according to your beliefs. And then I've been in rooms, <laughs> and I've been in rooms with a bunch of different Christians from, from different ministries and churches and and uh and then people will start praying their theology they'll start praying their theology they actually leave they've actually left praying like they, they're not praying anymore they're just talking about what they believe and god because you are you are you know what i mean it's just like okay I, I get it i've done it so many times but my theology in that moment is not something I'm to pray. It's something that's supposed to center me in who I am so that I approach him properly, come into alignment with who he is, and begin to pray the things that he's already praying. Because I'm not trying to come up with something that Jesus hasn't thought of. He makes it really easy. Like, if you go into intercession prayer, if you go into your secret place time with Jesus and you don't come out happier than what you were when you went in, there is a, there's messed up beliefs in there. <sighs> Benny Johnson, if you, if you, if you, the late Benny Johnson who's with, with Jesus now, she wrote a book called The Happy Intercessor. I've watched, I've watched so many intercessors. There, it, when, you, when you talk to them, they're either one of two ways. They're very spooky, mystical, right? Because they spend a lot of time in, in that place and aren't very relatable to people. Or they're angry. I'm just saying. It, it, and so I, I should actually, when I, this is the indicator whether I, I spent time 
making requests or I spent time with Jesus. Because when I begin to intercede, it shouldn't just be about the thing that, that I, I see the need for. Right? Because Jesus supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I know we use that for finances all the time, but it entails everything. Right? Finances is, the, is, the, is one of the last things. Is he's supplying all needs for everything. And so it isn't like I'm beating him to the punch. When somebody calls you or texts you or you see the thing on Facebook and like, play, it's an emergency. Like you didn't beat Jesus to that moment. <sighs> like he was already on it. Right? Knew about it thousands and thousands of years ago before it ever happened. It's, it's, it's true. And so it, it's, it causes me to do one of two things when I hear about an emergency that needs prayer right now or somebody that's in a messed up situation. It causes me to react or respond. Reaction customarily is from things in the natural and from, and from what I sense, feel, see, my senses. And response is what Jesus did. He said, I only do what I see my father do, and I only say what I hear my father say. Right? He responded to heaven. He responded to love. He did something that, he, he, that, that Leif Hetland gave me language for. He actually did what love required of him in every situation. What does love require of me? In every situation, that's the, that's the big deal. That's the number one question. Because it's who we are. It's part of our new nature. And so my intercession for Jesus should look like me wanting to know him more first. That's first and foremost the most important thing. It's not getting my prayer answered. Jesus isn't my genie in a bottle, right? I just, I just talk to him when I, I need things. I prayed some porcelain bowl prayers. Get me out of this and, I, and I'll do this, right? It was, it was a bargain. Please get me out of this. I, I don't know that I've, I've held to that one time. It was the most important time. There was a lot of times I didn't for sure. Huh? But it's in desperation. It comes from this place of not knowing who the Father is and not knowing that He actually has good things for me. And that He's not looking to punish me. And that He's not looking at the sins of my past or even the character defects and, and flaws of my presence. That's not what He's focused on. He doesn't remember the, the, the sins of the past and the mistakes that I've made. <laughs> and, and He sees me through Jesus. That's why it says that he sees me as flawless in his eyes. That's, that's a hard one to swallow for most of us, right? Because when we look in the mirror, we see, we see what he's not looking at. We see the flaws. And think if I could just try harder, be better, do better. All right, work a little bit harder in these situations. Now, this is what I'm not saying. I know that Hebrews 11.6 says that... <laughs> Anybody that comes to God must know who he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That sounds like works to some people, but I guarantee it's not. Diligently seeking him is making a choice to actually go after knowing who he is in my personal life. I want to know who he is personally. It's not knowing him through my pastor or knowing him through my parents or knowing him through my, my favorite author. 
right? It's me knowing him. It's the most important question of the hour is, am I going to wake up to everything that he already sees me as? But shame wants to tell me that this is what I will always be. It tells me, Sarah defined it very well. Lainey did a great job of it on Wednesday night. It was amazing. Brought us some things that I'd never even thought of before. But shame tries to become my identity and tell me that I am something less than what the Father says I am. It could be any array of things. Like some of us have overcome, like me, get free from addiction, right? And, and become a child of God. But addiction wasn't the only issue. <laughs> addiction was the byproduct of all of the other issues <laughs> that I had in my life. And so getting free from addiction was, was step number one, but actually getting free from performance mentality and thinking that I had to learn or had to earn God's love or, or that I needed to beg God for something or that he just had mercy on me uh, because of Jesus. And if it wasn't for Jesus, he would have struck me dead. Actually seeing the father as he is, that from the beginning, before the foundation of the world, he chose us in him to be holy and blameless before him in love. I mean, talk about good, right? That's why it says Jesus was the lamb. I think it's in Revelation 13. It talks about Jesus being the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. It means that Jesus and the Father and the Spirit as one had already made up their mind before the world was spoken into existence before people were on the planet that Jesus at the cross was finished. He said it over 2,000 years ago, but in the mind of the Father, it was done before the foundation of the world. That's how I can say that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Because he always desired for us to be in Christ. That's why he chose us in him. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27 say, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Faith qualifies us to be sons and daughters of God. Isn't that good news? Because there's no work involved in that. It's choice. In Romans 12, it talks about that he has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Right? Every person that ever breathes breath on this planet has been dealt a measure of faith by the Father for the specific purpose of being able to actually choose to say yes to Jesus the moment that their eyes are opened and when he is drawing them to him. He does the drawing. He gives the faith. He opens our eyes. He sent Jesus. He did it all. And then he just says, all I need you to do is say yes to the best deal you'll ever get. <laughs> like... Come on, it's, it's, it's us stepping into everything in a moment of saying yes to, for something that we could not earn, right? It's in that moment I consciously say yes because he's woken me up to the truth and in saying yes, I get born again into my new nature. It, it comes through incorruptible seed by the Spirit of God. It's Please don't think this is blasphemous. Bear with me. But it is very similar in the sense of immaculate conception through Mary when Jesus was born. Not the same. I know that. Please don't. 
put anything on Facebook or Instagram, but it is us literally being supernaturally born again in a moment by the Spirit of God. By incorruptible seed, that means that it goes all the way down to the molecular structure and DNA of who we are, and it changes us into everything that he's always wanted us to be. <laughs> Come on. That's why we, me and somebody had not long ago had this conversation. We were like, and they were like, well, I, just, I just go with if somebody's saved, if they say they believe, if they believe in Jesus. It's just that simple. And I used to do that same thing. Just, I just need to know, have you, have you believed that Jesus is who he says he is? Do I believe that's a, that's a good start? Yeah, I do believe it's a good start. Do I believe it's a good way to lead somebody to, to Jesus and see them get born again? No, I don't. You know why? Because in James it says, even the demons believe and tremble. You believe that there's one God? Good for you. Even the demons believe. <laughs> and so that's why we really push the fact that when I give my life to Jesus, I am getting born again, as Jesus said in John chapter 3. And he said, unless a man be born again, right? He can't see the kingdom. What's seeing the kingdom? I don't believe seeing the kingdom is getting to heaven. I believe seeing the kingdom is my spiritual eyes being opened because of me stepping into my identity in a moment. And I actually begin to see people the way that the Father sees them so that I can actually properly love them the way that he loves them. It gives me an opportunity to actually give people mercy in the way that it's been given to me. It wakes me up to the fact that if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd have nothing. And then it pushes me towards my dependency on him the longer that I walk with him because I'm growing up into maturity. It takes me out of this place of selfishness and I begin to understand that I was created to be dead to everything that I used to do that was wrong. Every single thing that I am supposed to be crucified with Christ. And me quoting that scripture is a beautiful thing, but what it has to do is that it has to transform the way that I think. I, I, I tell this, this uh, I use this analogy often, this word picture when I talk about identity, is that when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, it's as if the caterpillar and, and the butterfly, they, they actually, they literally have separate organs, right? It's like that there's two beings in one. And then when the butterfly comes out of the cocoon of what was a caterpillar, everything of the caterpillar, all the organs and all that stuff just dissolve. And the butterfly is no longer even similar to the caterpillar. But you know what's left? is the memory of what it was to be a caterpillar. And it's the only thing that stands in the way from us running wild and free into everything that we were created to be, is the memory of who we used to be. And so Jesus devised a plan, and he said, it, you'll know truth, and truth will set you free. Well, we know Jesus is truth, right? John 14 says, he said it, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him, right? It's the only way to get there. It's the only way to come into our identity. There's no other door. So truth is not just words on a page. Truth is a person, which in John chapter 1 we see, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the Son. 
If you look at Isaiah 9, Jesus is also the everlasting Father. He's all of it wrapped up in one. And truth, when it comes into my when it comes in, not this is what happens. This is what happened to me many times. I've seen it happen to other Christians. Is that I'm trying to intellectually understand the Bible. <laughs> good luck. That's a good. That's a good. That that because truth from the Word of God has to be supernaturally digested through my spirit, and then it goes up into my soul, which is where my mind, will, and emotions are. That's what, when revelation hits you, when you've had that moment of revelation, when the words either jump off of the page, when you're reading the Bible, you're listening to a sermon, somebody is speaking to you in a conversation, and truth is released, and it hits you right here in your knower. That's what I like to call it. It's your truth teller, right? And you can just feel it. But oftentimes, in that moment, when you say to yourself, Okay, that's truth. The very next thing that you'll think is, that does not make sense to my human mind. That is not a bad thing. If I have intellectually understood truth, I have unintentionally caused it to be void of the power to transform my life. <laughs> I'll try to remember it because I never said it before. When I try to under, intellectually understand truth with my own human mind, I unintentionally void it of its power to transform my life. Because it was meant to transform me. But when I grab a hold of it with my human mind, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. The kingdom doesn't make sense to the human mind. Joy is strength. Have you ever laughed when you were trying to lift weights? Joy does not feel like strength. You will not be lifting anything while you are laughing, right? If you hear us laugh often, it's because, it's because we have the joy of our salvation. It's because uh, oftentimes Jesus is, is healing people when they're laughing because laughter is good medicine. You look at it in Proverbs. And then sometimes it's because of Psalm 16 that says the fullness of joy is in God's presence. And so if I'm in his presence, there ought to be joy. It may not be all the time, but it ought to be more often than it isn't. Because crying in church has been acceptable for hundreds of years. But the number one question we get asked is, why are they laughing? Because it's unusual to people. But that's the kingdom. <laughs> and so everything in the kingdom is upside down. We give to get. Right? That's not what the world tells you. It tells you that you work hard and you save. And then, when you, and then when you get old enough to not really do much with it, then you retire. We won't touch that. We'll go back to that some other time. But it's upside. Right? It's like, great. Now, now I can spend my retirement and I don't have enough energy to, to do anything with it. Can't wait for that. I don't, we, I don't retire from what I do anyway, so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> I hope to just go out of this thing in spontaneous combustion, right? Just, <laughs> just be burning so bright that I just explode and then do whatever you want at that point. 
<laughs> so everything in the kingdom is upside down. That's why my intellectual mind does not serve me well in the kingdom. This truth has to be, it has to be revelation. It comes from the spirit of revelation, which is the Holy Spirit, right? You see it in Ephesians. And so when I get that revelation, my, that, then my responsibility kicks in. For people that are super sensitive, like a works mentality, they have a hard time with this. But I'll tell you that I've watched people that have been super sensitive to a works mentality, overly sensitive to a works mentality, and most of them are universalists now. Making no impact for the kingdom. Because they don't understand that it takes partnership. And no, I don't work for his love. And no, I can't earn it. But I make a decision on a daily basis to allow the Spirit of God to empower me by grace so that I can walk in the authority that I have as a son and I can change the world around me. And that takes conscious choices. And when I get revelation, you know what I do with it? I become responsible for it. I become responsible to actually meditate on it so that it does what Romans 12.2 says. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's right there. Don't you love how he made it simple? Like he made it simple. You want transformation, you renew your mind with truth. How do I know that I'm being changed? I'm becoming more loving because it's my new nature. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.26 again in the New King James, if, if you didn't know. Verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. I put him on. What's that mean? It means that I have a new nature. How do I find out what my new nature is? I look at Jesus. Because he didn't say, just believe in me. He said, follow me. And for me to follow somebody, I need to look where he's going. How do I look where Jesus is going? I look in the Gospels. And I look what Jesus looks like, right? Because he's the perfect picture of what a son looks like, and he's the perfect representation of the father, right? So I get a twofer right there, two for one. <laughs> I'm getting to see what a son looks like, or in your case, a daughter. It's, it's gender neutral when I, when I say son. Not in the world's way. I'm talking about in the kingdom way. <clears throat> so for, we are all, we, we have... We are all one in Christ Jesus. We have put on Christ, right? In, in Ephesians, it points me towards Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, right? With Christ, in Christ. That's how I'm seated in heavenly places because I have put on Christ and become one with him. That points me back to that scripture in Ephesians, that passage in Ephesians 1. He chose me in him before the foundation of the world. It was his plan that we would be one with him with no separation so that we could live out of this identity that he displays on the planet. And his identity on the planet never violates love. It never gets out of bounds. Love is the parameters by which I now live my life in. And so it is the indicator when I get outside of love, when I give in to fear, when I'm worrying, when I'm talking bad about people, making 
assumptions about their intentions. Wanting judgment and punishment on people. They're all indicators that I have actually stepped outside of my new nature in Christ and began to live out of carnal nature again. You say, well, I've been crucified with Christ. Trust me, you have the ability to live out of the old person at some level again. It's possible. But it only happens if my mind hasn't been renewed in that area. And so this is what happens to some Christians is probably nobody in this room, but when I forget who I am in a situation and I, whatever, <laughs> you, you, you write up the list of when you know, like some of you, it's like, you're like, oh yeah, I remember this week when I forgot who I was. When I went off, when I thought those things about that person, when I said something that I probably shouldn't have, when I was short, when I was, right? And, and we can, we, okay, I'm the best, I've been the best excuse maker throughout my whole life. Professional excuse maker, professional blame placer, like I've been all those. I was at, at the pro level for those two things. Lindsay can attest to this. I was so good at placing blame on anybody but me. And I'll tell you that the number one indicator that I have forgotten who I am in Christ is that I immediately point the finger to somebody else in any given situation. When I say they're the, or, or I start making excuses and say, I, did, I just went off because I was tired, because I hadn't had coffee, been a long time since I slept. They said, something, they said something mean about me, so I just gave them what for. All right? We can't find anywhere in the Bible where that says that that's a part of my new nature in Christ. That if I'm, if I'm tired, if I haven't had coffee, if somebody goes off on me, if somebody does anything to like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give you an example here in a minute, just total vulnerability and transparency. But there's, those, are all, those are all just excuses because sons and daughters of God who know who they are, it doesn't, matter if you, it doesn't matter if you wake me up yelling at me because I don't need to. I used to think this. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But I used to think that I needed to get up in the morning, spend X amount of time with Jesus so that I could actually operate of my identity. I need to pray myself into this thing as if it went away while I was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> every day starts a new day. Better get my prayer time in or my whole day is going to be messed up. All right? That's a lie. <laughs> yeah, get your prayer time in, but not because you're afraid that you won't be able to love somebody well. <sighs> That's not why I pray. I pray to know him. <sighs> and in knowing him, I find out who I am. And when I find out who I am, all this others, all the excuses and all the blame placing, which they had since the beginning, all right, immediately, Adam and Eve, Right? Blaming each other, blaming the devil. All right? The devil's not, a, he's not a good patsy for, for you either. He's not. He, you, you can't make him, I can't make him that powerful in my life. He's not running around giving flat tires and, 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 and flu and, you know what I mean? It's not like, here's the devil. Got me again today. Threw me off my game. My gosh, some people's devil is way bigger than their God. 
I know it's none of y'all, but I'm saying I've, I've had that in my own personal life. I used to think the devil was around every corner trying to make me late, trying to aggravate me, trying to do all these things. And he got all kinds of blame. And all I did was empower lies in my life so that I could further not believe who I am or further believe who I was as an orphan. Honestly, it brings that slave servant type, or I'm sorry, slave like fear of God, not the healthy kind, but that I'm afraid I'm, I'm going to be punished type of fear. It, it, it actually emphasizes that in my life and causes me to believe more of the things that I brought into the kingdom with me. Does that make sense? I was listening to Dan Moeller preach not too long ago. I have a select group of, of people that I list to, listen to from time to time to encourage me. And uh, I hear Steve Backlund talk about, you know, you should listen to teachers, um, but then you should also listen to preachers, people that really, you know, just uh, not just expound on the word and, and teach precept upon precept, but are expository preachers in the sense they get really, really hype, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, and very passionate. And sometimes I'm like that. And sometimes the other way, it's just who I am. So I listen to, to both. And I remember listening to Dan say this. He said, you can't emotionally abuse somebody who knows who they are in Christ. Yep. It's the same concept that you can't, you, you can't offend love. You can't offend God. It's, it's, he's calling right now for you to... He just wants to bring confirmation to what I was saying. It's the same concept that, is that, that it would be... <clears throat> Listen to me when I say this. Because we're one with Christ, there's no separation, right? I took on divine nature. I think that I've, I've, I've made that clear. Like our new nature in Christ is, is first and foremost love. Because it's first and foremost who He is. God is love, right? It's not just part of His character. It's actually who He is. He can't get outside of it. It's impossible. And so because I've taken on His nature as love, it would be similar to me saying that, that I could offend God somehow. Some of us in the room may believe that we could offend God with our behavior or what we say or what we do. I'll guarantee you this. It's absolutely impossible for you to offend God. I believe you could hurt his heart with the way that you act. Yeah, I do, I do believe that. Because, because love's heart hurts when he sees his sons and daughters operating outside of less, or operating less than what they're created to be. But I can't emotionally abuse him. I've unintentionally tried at times. I've went off on God. I've let him have it, right? I've given him a piece of my mind. I'm talking about since I've been a Christian. Before that, I wasn't real sure that he existed, so I, you know. I did hear voices, though, but I was mildly schizophrenic, so... <clears throat> I hear his voice now, <laughs> so it's not, you know, anyway, <laughs> drug-induced, but uh, there's a book out there. You can, you can read it in there, but 
If it's impossible for me to emotionally abuse him or offend him because love's unoffendable, and it says it, um, and I believe it's in Colossians chapter 3, you'll find it around verse 14 in the Passion Translation, love is unoffendable, then that means when I take on his nature and my mind is transformed with truth, then it's actually impossible to offend me and, and emotionally abuse me. Am I saying that things won't still hurt my heart? That loss won't still hurt. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when people say things, it doesn't have the same effect on me because I'm rooted and grounded who I am. The only way that it has effect on me before is because I'm insecure and don't know who I am. And so it hits things that are still in my thinking. And insecurities rise up, right? So how do I get security in? Because that's what an insecurity is. I don't have security in who I am. I learn about my new nature in Christ and who he says I am as a son. I learn about what he says about me and the truths that are included in my identity and the benefits package of the kingdom. And that's why us spending time with him, that should result in some sort of intercession prayer, but should first and foremost actually result in me wanting to know him more is so vitally important. Hopefully I'll talk to you soon about Matthew 25 and the the 10 virgins, right? Five wise and five unwise. Five of them got oil and five of them didn't. Now's the time to get oil. How do I get it? I get it by being with him, by wanting to know him. I'm not in any way trying to articulate to you that if you don't spend time with him or X amount of time with him, that there's something wrong or that you, you don't have a good relationship with him. It doesn't have any reflection on how he thinks about you, how he sees you, or how much he loves you. It has everything to do with my conscious choice of being one who diligently seeks him. And when I diligently seek him, he rewards me. I want to get more oil. Oil's anointing. Oil's a symbolic of the Holy Spirit. It's time to wake up to who we are in Christ. Like the world desperately needs to see a demonstration of what the Father looks like, and we get the privilege and the opportunity by the grace of God to actually walk in, in that and be a demonstration in our everyday life without words. All right? Sometimes we get to share words and sometimes we don't have to because they just get to see what love looks like in action. But it all comes from me knowing who I am in Christ. And so I was listening to Dan Moeller speak about this message because, you know, he's my go-to. When I personally believe that I have forgotten who I am in certain situations, yes, it's still possible. And so for the last few months of last year, uh, I won't replay things that happened. It was just life stuff coming at us and different things. And, and in the midst of it, I found, my, found myself uh, getting aggravated easily, found myself getting angry at times and, and have myself thinking things that I hadn't thought in years, right? And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it, you know, right? And, and the temptation is, is when those things come, in, come up in you is for shame to hit you. And say, oh, you, you've been a Christian long enough to know better. Right? You, you should. You're the, you're, the, you're the leader. You're the whatever. Right? 
There's, there's the things that the enemy tries to, to berate you with, but then also your own, your own self-talk. Can I give you some advice? Don't counsel yourself with something you wouldn't counsel somebody else with. Please don't. <laughs> Hopefully, I, I, I am trusting and believing that you are kind to other people in that. <laughs> but oftentimes, I will, I will give people advice that I won't give myself. <clears throat> I will treat them better than I treat me. And so during this few months, I, I found myself to be in this fog and this, like, I, it was just this funk, and some of it was health issues, right? I had, I had some um, hormone imbalances in my body. That's why I tell people now, like, signs of, of, uh, of low testosterone in men come with depression and brain fog and not able to focus and low energy and all the things that if you're, if you're very spiritual, you could easily point to, and it happens to women too, and you could easily point and say, oh, well, there must be a battle going on. There could be a battle going on. Like, I understand, like, I, some of the stuff I was going through was spiritual warfare. Yeah, absolutely. I don't put a lot of emphasis there because I don't like to give the enemy too much, but also just enough to not remain ignorant to what he could be doing. And so was there spiritual warfare? Absolutely. But what should I do when I start to experience things like that? Equate it all to the spiritual? I don't believe so. I believe you ought to go get a blood test done. Find out what's going on in your body. Once you get north of 30, and especially once you get north of 40, right? You, you find out what's going on in your life. Find out what's going on in your body because God cares about it. He cares about your body. I believe divine health is ours, but I believe oftentimes it's practical things that we can do to take care of ourselves. All right? Misbalance of hormone levels causes anxiety and, and other things that oftentimes people equate to the spiritual. Like, no, it's just something off. Right? So explore all the options. Now when I give people advice, I say, have you, have you got blood work done? Like, let's explore the practical and the spiritual. Let's do it all together. Because if it's not practical, it's probably not spiritual. I learned that from David Wagner, and I believe that it's true. And so I'm going through this, and I find out that there's health issues going on, but I realize that there's a battle at the same time. But regardless of my health issues, regardless of the battle that was going on, I had forgotten in some ways who I am in Christ. There were identity truths that I have taught for over a decade now that I had forgotten. That was an indicator that some of my mind still needed to be transformed. And it was like, I heard Dan say a one-liner. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that's it right there. I forgot. I'm a son. Right? In other situations, I would be good, but it was in just these certain situations that I had forgotten. Do you know that part of carnal nature, who we used to be, comes with deception? Ephesians chapter 4 says it. I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you. I'm just going to read this one part. I, I know that I don't, I don't have time. I'm going to land it after this. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. This is the NLT. 
It says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Can lust and deception be a spirit? Yeah, absolutely. But do do you know that it's actually a part of who we used to be? It's part of sin nature. You don't have to give the devil credit for it. You can realize that it actually, when I forget who I am, and I begin to operate out of carnal, carnal nature, then deception is one of those things that, that can plague me. And then the, the enemy tries to come and bring further deception to take us into a place that we were never made to be in, which is the place that we were before we got born again. It's why it says, throw off your old sinful nature. It's, it's indicating something that you would throw off as if you had a coat on that was on fire. It's like, just get that thing off of you and and do what Galatians 3 says. Now, put on Christ in divine nature. Wrap yourself up in him so that everything you were never made to be gets lost. And allow the Spirit of God to teach you on a daily basis as we sit at the feet of Jesus. Allow him to teach you who you are. what it says in in, in, in verse 23 and 24, Ephesians 4, it says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. I still got a bad attitude means the Spirit hasn't renewed it. That's all. I don't need to get all condemned and and ashamed and and feel guilty about it. This is what I want to do. I want to give you something practical. I'm going to read verse 24. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Created, created to be like God. It just it puts the exclamation point on everything I just told you. You're created to be just like Him. Not be Him, but be like Him. And He is love. Righteous and holy. Holiness is not something to attain to. It's something you already are. Holy Spirit, that's His first name. He's inside you. You can't be, you can't be any more holy. Your behavior won't make you that way. He did it. <laughs> It's just aligning my thoughts, allowing him to renew the spirit of my mind and my attitudes so that I believe what he already says about me. And what I believe, this, this is the way that I often say it, is that the Christian life is way more about discovery than it is obtaining to something. Because the spirit of God has deposited everything that we need in Christ inside of us. And then I constantly discover more and more about who I am in him. Like you've got God inside you. <laughs> you've got the advantage <laughs> you, you do you're the major, majority in any equation you walk into but especially when we know who we are so this is what we do when I operate out of a because this is what can happen I can become super introspective which is condemning and causes me to live out of a place of guilt and shame Like, that's not what I'm supposed to do. It's just that I am consciously, I'm self-aware. Self-awareness is a good thing, right? The opposite's a bummer. Ever been around people that weren't self-aware? Or people that aren't aware of (laughs) of personal space? Dudes are like right up here talking to me. I'm like, bro, we don't know each other that well. 
And if we did, let's not talk that close. But when I'm self-aware, I will be conscious of when I actually make choices, have thoughts and my actions that operate outside of love. And then when I'm consciously aware, what I can do is when those things happen later on, when I'm spending time with Holy Spirit, whenever I have a free moment, right, driving or when there's a lull in work or while you're working, if you're good at that, like most of you probably are, is that I ask Holy Spirit, where'd that, where'd that come from? Where in my mind still needs to be renewed and where's the truth that I, I need to know to renew it with? It just becomes, it becomes relational, right? Because trust me, like Jesus is not worried that you're not going to become the finished product. He who has begun a good work in you, Philippians 1, 6, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. All I need to do is stay surrendered and keep saying yes. <laughs> like he's, he's not concerned about the finished product. He's not worried at all. He wants us to be embedded in the process with him. Will I actually be in this thing with him in every moment of every day and begin to enjoy the journey with Jesus? Jesus, the intercessor. Jesus, the friend. Jesus, the father. Jesus, my Lord. All those things. Will I enjoy the journey with him? And will I actually take ownership of my life? Because that's what it is. Life is not supposed to just happen to us. When I take ownership of my life, I take ownership of my thought life. I take ownership over my own walk with Christ, and I don't depend on a Sunday sermon for 45 minutes to change my life, and the rest of the week I'm at work, and I'm like, can't wait to get back to church on Sunday. Like, I want you to be excited about getting back to church on Sunday, but not be dependent on a sermon that you hear to change your life. It should actually add value and empower you in a way that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and where you're at in your journey, and it should take you further faster than what you could ever go without a family of believers that are actually going after the same thing. That's what this is. It's the locker room before the game, if I can use a sports analogy. I can't wait for spring training. But it is... <laughs> My baseball fans, grab that. But it, it is. It's to, it's to cheer one another on to good works, right? It's like, you can do this. You were made for this. You come in places like this, and you get your, your needs ministered to. You get, you get your heart healed if it needs it. You let go of unforgiveness and bitterness and the things that have been holding you back, realizing that they can't hurt the other people. It only hurts you. And, you know, things like that happen. I get healthier. When I'm in places that, that exude health because other people are going after the same thing. That's what happens. And then the rest of the week, it's my intimacy with Him. It's me knowing Him. It's my number one heart cry. I want to know you. Paul said in Philippians 3.10 that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. I don't get the, I don't get the, I don't get the good stuff without that too. I want it all, Jesus, every bit of it. So help me, help me transform my mind with your truth so that I can live out of this thing that you already see me as. It's that simple, it's, it's remaining self-aware and sitting with Holy Spirit on a daily basis, whatever that looks like. So this is what I wanna do as an activation. 
I want to ask this question and you, Holy Spirit's, he's so good. He's probably already told you the answer. Ask Holy Spirit one lie that we're believing about our identity. One lie that we're believing about our identity. Just one. I always, I always ask for one, you know. Even when I've asked for more than one, he's good. He won't overwhelm you, right? Don't tell me everything that's wrong. Jesus, just tell me one lie. <laughs> I could probably handle two, but let's not go much deeper. So just ask him. Just go ahead and ask him. And when he tells you the lie that you're believing about your identity, ask him for a truth to replace that lie. Believe me, we all have them. If you don't, you're probably not breathing. Thanks, Holy Spirit, for coming in this moment to share in the truth that we need. seven it says because you are because you are sons and daughters God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying out Abba Father Papa (laughs) Dad the spirit of God is crying out in your heart Abba Father therefore you're no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir of God through Christ Because we are His, we can access everything that He has. Thank you, Jesus. Raise your hand if you got the lie and the truth already. Get the lie and the truth already? Yeah. Thanks, Jesus. Okay. I do in that just super, just super practical. This is what I do. I just I I oftentimes I'll say it in my head if it's not appropriate to speak out loud, you know, and look like you're talking to yourself. It's not always appropriate. <clears throat> but if I'm alone, I will say I renounce and break agreement with that lie in Jesus' name, and I come into agreement with the truth that you spoke, and then I declare that truth. I'm a son of God that's fully accepted and fully loved by the Father. the truth that I I have declared for years now because when I know that I'm accepted by him rejection doesn't hurt from other people and then what I do is I make a declaration out of that particular truth and I declare it every day and meditate on it until it transforms my mind no matter how long it takes it's just practical, that's what I do scripture I just read out of Galatians 4 
verse 7 in the Passion Translation, it says that you have full access to everything that the Father has. You're no longer an orphan. You're a child of God. You can make yourself at home. Because being with Him is being is being at home. So if you would stand with me. this as a blanket statement because I think it's important, but I want you to know that you can't mess this thing up. Okay? Don't feel pressured. Don't feel pressured to do this. Allow it to be your joy to spend time with Him and know Him, and it's going to come naturally out of that with intentionality, that's all. To live an appointed life focused focused the Bible calls it singular one eye direct vision so Father we thank you that you are waking us up to who we are as sons and daughters we thank you that you are washing I I felt it happening even as I was speaking that you're washing the shame of the past off of us that has caused us to not be able to approach you as the Father that you are to us. Would you clear up misconceptions we have about who you are? About who you are and who we are in you. Would you help us to just slow down and enjoy you and enjoy what you've given us? Lay back in your arms and relax and allow you to love us into everything that you already see us as. Holy Spirit, we invite you into the process of, of renewing us in the spirit of our mind, of transforming us by good beliefs so that we not only believe in Jesus, but we believe like Jesus. We thank you for helping us to recognize behavior that's outside of our identity in Christ so that we can get with you, sit with you, and begin to understand in new ways who we really are in that particular area. And we thank you that your love is sealing the deal. We thank you for your love healing fragmented places in our in our souls. Yeah. And thank you for helping us to learn what it looks like to walk in uncontaminated love like you did while you were on the earth. Total dependency on the the Spirit of God and the love that the Spirit has poured out in our hearts. Yeah. Help us to recognize when we're trying to love people out of our own strength. (laughs) And help us to get into loving people out of your love. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. 
I thank you for this family of believers. I bless everything that you're doing in individuals' lives, in their families, in their workplaces. I pray increase of their awareness of you with them in this. Increase of the awareness of your presence. And would you give us all eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand what it is that you're doing in us and what you want to do around us throughout this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a prayer team up here that wants to pray with you guys. Thanks, Jesus. I know that we can say amen at the end of a sermon like that and, and uh, end of a prayer like that. And, and then some of you are like, I, I don't feel like I'm finished yet. You can sit with Jesus. You don't have to move. Like we'll put on some music here in a minute. We Thank you guys for joining us online. We love you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.